How do you know about this? I don't even know what that is. I'm just a junker, man. I was just, just checking stuff out. You don't look like a junker. You're wearing rabbit of God. It's a, just an outfit, man. The Ninja Turtle, you better stop poking me. What is your name? My name is Peter Quill, okay? Dude, chill out. Move! Why? Ronan may have questions for you. Hey, you know what? There's another name you might know me by. Star-Lord. Who? Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw. Guys, move! I forget this. you're a first time guest today. This is our summer blockbuster series and this is the first movie in our series. Um, every summer we take some clips from different movies and we talk about some of those themes and, and we, uh, we see how scripture can apply to that. Today is, is Guardians of the Galaxy. How many of you have seen it? Uh, funny movie. Um, next week is 42. The, the week after that is The Princess Bride. The week after that is Creed. The week after that is A Knight's Tale. So we're going to have a lot of fun over the next um, several Sundays. We hope that you will be here and join us. Now, in, in this movie, <clears throat> Peter Quill, or what's his, what's his outlaw name? Star-Lord that nobody knows. Nobody knows who he is until he finds this treasure, this orb that he has. He says he doesn't even know what it is. It is a treasure that everyone wants. And one of the reasons I chose this movie is because when you watch this movie, when you watch how these people react, a lot of times Christians act just like that. And I'll explain in just a minute. But let's let's go back to the very first thing. He's found a treasure that, that he doesn't even know how valuable it is. And it makes me think about the kingdom. And here's what Jesus Jesus Christ said about the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field in his excitement. He hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now in the movie, nobody knew who star Lord Peter Quill was until he found the treasure. And then everyone in the galaxy, all hell breaks loose, trying to track him down. It is exactly the same when a person finds the treasure of the kingdom of God, when they become a Christ 
follower, all of hell breaks loose trying to keep you from spread that, spreading that message to anyone else. See, the devil has a goal for you. If you're not a Christ follower, the devil will try anything to keep you from becoming a Christian. Once you've become a Christian, then he has a different goal. That goal is to discredit you, make you useless in the kingdom so that no one will listen to what you have to say about this treasure. Now, Jesus is near Jerusalem and he's going to tell a story, a parable about a king. And I want to read this whole thing to you and then we'll make some comments about it. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 11. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Everybody around thought, okay, this guy is going to be our, our political ruler. We're looking for a king on earth. Jesus says, no, 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 my, my kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. So he tells them this story to, to help them understand what's going on. He said, a rich, uh, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas, put this money to work, he said, and I will come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came to him and, and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant. Uh, take charge of 10 cities. The second came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, sir, um, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest. If you put your money in a bank, does the bank own that money? No, you do. And so you expect to get that back. That's what this uh, master is saying to his servant. Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. Sir, they said he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Pay attention to this last sentence. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, this is Jesus speaking, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Now that's going to be big when we come back in a minute. The the Jews wanted him to overthrow the Roman rule. He said, no, 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 that's not how this works. He wanted to set the record straight. And so he knew that these people who were listening to them that wanted him to be a political king, he knew in just a few days they would crucify him. So he tells this Uh, story to illustrate what's going to happen. He's entrusted to his followers something that does not belong to them that they did not earn. And since each follower received the same amount, we believe that this is referring to the the kingdom, the the incredible treasure of the kingdom of heaven, the, the treasure that the man found in the field, sold everything and went back and got it. Jesus said, here's the treasure, the good news about me, take care of this or do work with this until I return. And the most important thing you need to understand is that the, the servant was supposed to give back to the king, the master more than he received when the king returned. Now, how they expanded the kingdom, that was, that was up to um, them as long as it was legal and profitable. So let me give you just a few things about this, um, about this parable, and then we're going to get back to our movie and see how this compares. First off, you need to understand, first thing that Jesus said is the king will return. He is coming back. Many times he predicted his return. In fact, the whole last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, is all about the king coming back. 
Now, the first time he came, he hung on a cross and he cried out, it is finished. What was finished? The work of paying for the sins of people. So the first time Jesus came, he came as a suffering servant. But when he comes back, there will be no suffering on his part. There will be suffering on those who do not want him to be king. He's coming back as a conquering king. That's what we celebrate every Sunday. It's why I I sometimes kind of applaud you to worship more with your heart and with your mind. Because what we are serving, the kingdom we are serving never ends. It wins. God wins. And that ought to cause us to celebrate no matter who is in the White House, no matter how many people are killed by other people, we ought to celebrate because in the end, we're on the winning team. Hello? I'll get fired up. You want me to get fired up? Number two, the king gave the very same gift to all of his servants. Now, I don't want you to confuse this with Matthew 25. If you've read your scripture, you know that in Matthew 25, he gave talents to some people and he gave different ones to different people. And that was according to their ability. This has nothing to do with that. This is about the kingdom. The treasure is the kingdom. And God has given um, not only the kingdom, but he's also given every one of his followers at least three other gifts that we have in the same amount. Let me, let me go through those real fast. First of all, he's given us time. And I'm not talking about the length of your life. That varies. I'm talking about 24 hours in a day. We all have the same amount of time. And the problem is some of us are more interested in doing the work of God during a 24-hour period than others of of us. And so I want you to think about the last 24 hours. What have you done? Not counting coming here. What have you done for the kingdom of God in the last 24 hours? What have you done in the last seven days for the kingdom of God? It is a very big deal. If the kingdom is the treasure, we need to build our life around the treasure. Second thing God has given us is truth. We all have the same instructional manual, the Bible, God's word. It is truth. And I haven't been given any more truth than you have. The amount of truth you have in your life is in direct proportion to the amount of time you have spent in the Bible. The reason God wants you in the Bible is to get the Bible into you so that when you think about things and somebody presents an opportunity to you, you don't ever say, well, I think this, you say, well, God's word says this because God's word doesn't change. Your opinion changes. Your circumstances change, but the word of God does not change. Third thing he's given to all of us is opportunities to serve God. We all have opportunities. You have opportunities today. You'll have opportunities when you leave this place. You'll have opportunities tomorrow to serve God. There's 15 of us going to Haiti, uh, leaving on Friday, and, and they have an opportunity to serve God in another country. We are, we are obeying scripture when we go because Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Not you can contemplate, not if you don't have uh, something better to do. You will be my witnesses, he said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, in Jerusalem, that's in Palestine. In Judea, that's Texas in the United States. In Samaria, that's the other places, other countries near us and all the ends of the earth. We're supposed to be witnesses. We're obeying that when we go to Haiti, when we go to Jacmel, we're going to be going and, and most of us don't even know the language. I know just enough to pick up a few words. I've been there eight times. This is my ninth time. I can't remember. Um, but I'm going to keep going back because the, the Bible says we're supposed to be witness here. We're supposed to be witnesses in Texas. We're supposed to be witnesses in the United States, in, in other countries, all over the world. We can't go all over the world, but we can go one place. And right now, God is going to call some of you to go, go next summer to Haiti. And right now, some of you are going to blow that off because you're going to say, God can't use me or I don't have enough money. You don't know the king because the king has the cattle on a thousand hills, what scripture says. That was all free. I'm, I'm coming back, Travis. He just sits back there and waits till I get back on the 
Third thing that you need to know about this parable is we will be judged by how we manage those gifts. The treasure, but also time, the truth, and opportunities. We will be judged. When the king comes back, he, he asks for a, an accounting of everything that he gave to his servants. In the same way, we will be judged. Christ followers will be judged. Now, in Revelation, there's, there's a couple of different judgments. In Revelation 20, there's something called the great white throne of judgment. It's for anyone whose name is not found written in the book of life. It's that last sentence at the end of the parable. They will be cast into the lake of fire. That is not for Christ followers. Praise God. We do not face the uh, great white throne of judgment. It's for people who reject God on this earth. They said, we do not want him to be our king. So God honors their wish in this life and in the next life. You reject his son as your king. He rejects you as a a member of his kingdom. That's for non-Christians. But as Christians, we're also going to be judged. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul says this, for we, he's talking about Christians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Judgment seat here is Bema, B-E-M-A, and it refers to a podium like you see in the Olympics for gold medal, silver medal, um, bronze medal. What is going to happen is Christ followers will be judged on our actions, our good and bad actions in this life. We will not lose our salvation. We will not be cast into the lake of fire, but we will either gain or lose rewards based on what we do. The king is going to judge you. Now, in this next clip, I want you to to watch how the people, they don't know they're going to be a team yet, but they're going to be a team and they're fighting. And when I watch this scene, I think about the people in the kingdom of God. I think about churches that I have been in. There is fighting over everything you can imagine. And and it shouldn't be that way because the treasure that they're fighting over is is valuable enough that all of them in this movie could live lifetimes and, and pass on an inheritance to their children's children. But they refuse to do that. They're trying to say, mine, mine. Mine. It's my classroom back there. It's mine. I had a, I had a music minister one time. I said, can we use your sound system because we need a portable sound system? And he said, um, he said, no, because it belongs to the music ministry. And I said, is the music ministry using this? And he said, no. And I said, I'm confused because I thought this belonged to God. So this isn't my church. This is God's church. It's not your church. It's God's church. Watch how these people fight. And I want you to think about how Christians fight. What happened? Uh, this guy just backed out of a deal on me. There's one thing I hate. It's a man without integrity. Peter Quill. People call me Star-Lord. You have the bearing of a man of honor. Well, I, you know, I wouldn't say that. People say it about me all the time, but it's not something I would ever say about myself. <laughs>
should have learned. I don't learn. One of my issues. Quit smiling, you idiot. You're supposed to be a professional. You gotta be kidding. for the simple things. Like how much this is gonna hurt. <laughs> yeah, right, little man. It'll grow back. Quit whining. Nova Corps, you are under arrest. Right, come on up. Hey, this isn't Star Prince. Star Lord. Oh, sorry, Lord. I picked this guy up a while back from petty thefts. He's got a code name. Yeah, stay out of the way. Come on, man. It's an outlaw name. Relax, Batman. It's cool to have a code name. It's not that weird. It's cool to have a code name. It's not that weird. When, when Star Prince, yeah. When I watched this, I really did. I thought about churches that I've been in. And I've thought about how much we grieve the Holy Spirit by the way we treat one another. Um, the Bible has told us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So just out of curiosity, how many of you in here are flesh and blood? Let me see your hands. Wait, wait, wait. Keep them up because I'm not sure. Some of you aren't sure. Okay. So your struggle is not with anybody that's in this room. Oh, yes, it is. You don't know my husband. According to scripture, there are rulers in the heavenly realms, evil forces. We did the, the whole Twisting the Truth series was about there's an invisible enemy that wants to impact you. Our struggle is not against each other. But, man, it sure seems like we fight a lot in churches, right? Anybody ever been in a church that fought? I don't like the color of the carpet, so I'm going to gripe. I don't like how loud the music is, so I'll either complain loudly louder than the music, or I'll go to another church down the street and I'll complain about how bad the music is over there. Or I don't like that the church asks for money. And so not only will I not give, I'll twist the scripture to say, it doesn't say give 10% of your income. And the whole time Satan laughs at us because he's just stirring it up and we're taking our eyes off of the treasure, which is the kingdom of God. And, and we just have to acknowledge that, you know, in physical families, we have dysfunctional people. In, in spiritual families, we have dysfunctional people. Because here's what happens. Every week, we're, we're supposed to gather together to worship, be taught the word of God. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. So when the word of God is broken, we call that the bread of life. When we're sharing that, you're fed. And then the goal is to expand the kingdom. That's the whole reason we worship together. We're commanded to worship. It's not an option. And then we're supposed to expand the kingdom. We have a lot of people in our church that are sitting on the sidelines while a very few people are expanding the kingdom. 
And here's the thing that's crazy to me. Not only are they sitting on the sidelines, not cheering on the people who are on the field trying to expand the kingdom, they're openly critical of the people on the field. I don't think you have a right to criticize people who are trying to expand the kingdom if you're sitting on your butt doing nothing. Right? There's a very small circle of people expanding the kingdom. There's a huge circle of people who say they're Christ followers criticizing those who are trying to expand the kingdom. That's wrong. It's time to stop. Now, if you're dysfunctional in the kingdom, you need to confess that. Not to me, to God. And then you need to start doing something to expand the kingdom. Instead of criticizing those who are. Now, in this next scene, the team, again, they don't know they're a team yet. They're fighting in prison. They go to prison because they're stupid. They made stupid choices. But in prison, they still haven't figured out that there's a treasure that is more valuable than any of them can imagine. And their eyes are not on the treasure. I want you to watch what their eyes are upon. But hey, that's not my problem. I ain't going to be here long. I've escaped 22 prisons. This one's no different. You're lucky the broad showed up, because otherwise me and Groot would be collecting that bounty right now, and you'd be getting drawn and quartered by Yondu and those ravages. I've had a lot of folks try to kill me over the years. I ain't about to be brought down by a tree and a talking raccoon. Old? What's a raccoon? What's a raccoon? It's what you are, stupid. Ain't no thing like me, said me. So this orb has a real shiny blue suitcase, Ark of the Covenant, Maltese Falcon sort of vibe. What is it? I am Groot. So what? What's the orb? I have no words for an honorless thief. Pretty high and mighty coming from the lackey of a genocidal maniac. Yeah, I know who you are. Anyone who's anyone knows who you are. Yeah, we know who you are. Who is she? I'm Groot. Yeah, you said that. I wasn't retrieving the orb for Ronin. I was betraying him. I had an agreement to sell it to a third party. I am Well, that's just as fascinating as the first 89 times you told me that. What is wrong with giving tree here? Well, he don't know talking good like me and you. So his vocabulistics is limited to I and M and Groot. Exclusively in that order. Well, I tell you what, that's going to wear real thin real fast if I... Hey, put that away. Take those headphones off. That's mine. Those belong in Impound, that tape, and that player is mine! Hooked on a feeling, Blue Swede, 1973, that song belongs to me! Alright, so where was Star-Lord focused while he's in prison? On a Walkman, because everybody knows you need a Walkman when you're in prison, right? What have you been focusing on? I'm willing to bet whatever you're focusing on isn't eternal. And that's why we keep coming back together is to to make sure that we understand what's eternal, what's temporary. Let me give you a couple of things, a couple of responses to the king. And and I want you to examine where you are, your response to the king, because he's coming back. First is obedience. Each of the servants was given the same amount 
And this, this money was equal to three months salary for an ordinary worker. So just multiply your monthly salary by three. And the king said, put this to work, use this to expand the kingdom. Two of the three servants were successful. One was not. And, and by the way, um, I was reading, um, David Dykes, he's the pastor at Green Acres Baptist Church. I was reading one of his sermons on, on this passage. And he said, he believes that, that the reason there's only three, there's seven that we don't know about. He said, why aren't, why aren't, do we not hear about the seven? He said, because the seven is us. The seven, our stories are not completed. We will be judged someday, but not today. I think that's pretty interesting. Anyway, there's, there's two of three that are, that are successful. And, and I want you to notice the reward that both of these successful ones got. They were made rulers of various cities. This means that the reward for, for faithful work is more work. Woohoo! But not just work in this kingdom. Faithfulness now prepares you to serve in God's kingdom. You will not sit on a cloud playing a harp if you're a Christ follower and you go to heaven. You will not become an angel. People do not become angels when they go to heaven. That is not in scripture. Somebody made it up. Quit repeating that. Angels are something completely different. They are asexual beings. They were created by God. They have a different function. They don't get to come into the kingdom like we do. But when you go, if you're a Christ follower, when you go to heaven, you'll be transformed to be like Jesus. He didn't have wings, didn't have a harp. We will be eternal beings and we will worship him and we will do a work assigned to us by our king based on what we did on this earth. You do nothing on this earth, you may be bored in heaven. You serve the kingdom, God's going to give you a, a, a job to do in heaven that fulfills you as you worship the king. So you can obey. Second is disobedient. Now, the first two options are for Christ followers. You can be disobedient. We're disobedient all the time. And here's a basic principle of the kingdom of God when it comes to a gift. Use it or lose it. Say that out loud. Use it or lose it. It's like a muscle. If you do not use your faith, it, it, it's like a muscle that atrophies and you no longer have faith. If you have a gift of teaching and you do not teach, that gift will be removed from you. If you have the gift of discernment and you're not using it to build up the kingdom of God, what God will do is he says, I'm looking for a faithful servant that I can give that gift to. And even if they have lots of gifts, just like in the parable, I'll give that person more gift because I know that I can trust them. The people who do nothing, I cannot trust them. I'll take what they have away from them and give it to another Christ follower because I'm looking for obedient people. C.H. Spurgeon said this about the kingdom of God. The gracious and faithful man obtains more grace and more means of usefulness while the unfaithful man sinks lower and lower and grows worse and worse. We either make progress or else lose what we have attained. There is no such thing as standing still in religion. Love that quote. Use what God has given you or you will lose it. And he will give it to one who is faithful. So you can obey, you can disobey. And then this last one, this is what we're seeing more and more of in our country. You can have disdain for the king, for Jesus. Now I told you already, Jesus was near Jerusalem when he told this story. And in less than a week, the same people who wanted him to become king, they will cry out, we have no king but Caesar. These were Jews. Now, if you know anything of the history of the Jews, 
the Shema in the Old Testament, the greatest commandment in the Old Testament, they would say, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. The Lord our God is one God. So to say we have no king but Caesar is slapping the one God in the face and saying, we do not want to serve you. They said to Jesus, we will not have you as our king. You will not rule over us. So he granted their wish in this lifetime and he granted their wish in the next lifetime. He's not their king. They're in the kingdom of hell. We live, we live right now in between verses 14 and 15 of this parable. When the king has left to be a appointed king, he's going to come back. A few weeks ago, I was talking to you about this. In the beginning, everything was great. Sin entered the world. In the end, everything is going to be made great again. But in the meantime, that's verses 14 to 15. That's where you and I live. We are going to be held accountable for how we treat the treasure of God. What are you doing with the treasure? Now, in our movie, I I love this last scene, assuming it plays. I love this movie because he, they finally, as a team, get it together. Watch this, and I'll make a few comments, and we're done. I have a plan. You've got a plan. Yes. First of all, you're copying me from when I said I had a plan. I'm not. People say that all the time. It's not that unique of a thing to say. Secondly, I don't even believe you have a plan. I have part of a plan. What percentage of a plan do you have? You don't get to ask questions after the nonsense you pulled on nowhere. I just saved Quill. We've already established that you destroying the ship that I'm on is not saving me. When did we establish? Like three seconds ago. No, I wasn't listening to her. I was thinking of something else. Oh. She's right. You don't get an opinion. What percentage? I don't know. 12%. 12%? That's a fake laugh. It's real. Totally fake. That is the most real, authentic, hysterical laugh of my entire life because that is not a plan. It's barely a concept. You're taking their side? I am Groot. So what? It's better than 11%. Thank you, Groot. Thank you. See? Groot's the only one of you who has a clue. Yondu is going to be here in two seconds. He expects to hear this big plan of ours. I need your help. I look around at us. You know what I see? Losers. I mean, like, folks who have lost stuff. And we have, man, we have, all of us. Our homes. Our families. Normal lives. And usually life takes more than it gives, but not today. Today it's given us something. It has given us a chance. I, for one, am not going to stand by and watch as Ronan wipes out billions of innocent lives. But Quill, stopping Ronan, it's impossible. You're asking us to die. Yeah, I guess I am. I... Quill. I have lived most of my life surrounded by my enemies. I will be grateful to die among my friends. You are an honorable man, Cole. I will fight beside you. 
And in the end, see my wife and daughter again. I am good. Now I'm standing. Y'all happy? We're all standing. Are you happy? I, I love this scene because I don't even know the raccoon's name. Thank you. Rocket. Rocket says, you're asking us to die. I'm asking you to die. I'm not asking you to do anything more than what the scripture asks you to do. Galatians 2.20 says this. I've been crucified with Christ. Crucifixion sounds like a death to me, doesn't it? Doesn't sound like a vacation. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I cannot stand by while the enemy wants to destroy people's souls and they go to hell. I can't do that. You, maybe you can but it is not in me to let people go to hell if I can do anything about it. So I want to remind you today that there is a treasure, the kingdom of God, that you have been gifted by your master and he's coming back and he's going to ask you, what did you do with it? And see, if you're not careful, if the king shows up today, you're in trouble. Because your car has been more important than the kingdom. Your house has been more important than the kingdom. Your family has been more important than the kingdom. And the king will say that is unacceptable. And in the next life, you may not get to do jack because you hadn't done anything here. Because you've fallen for the lie that there's something more important than the kingdom of God. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. I want to ask you a couple of questions. In a minute, you'll get a chance to write this on the back of your card. What are you doing with the kingdom of God? What are you doing with the time that God has given you? What are you doing with the truth of God's word? What are you doing with the opportunities that God's given you? Here's your options. You can be obedient. You can be disobedient. Or you can disdain the kingdom. Father, would you reveal to us what's going on so that we can identify where we are and know where, where we need to go? Change us into a group of people who want nothing more than to expand the kingdom of God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.